0: Good evening, everyone. Grace and peace. Thank you, Mindy, Gary, and Karen. And uh, man, it's great to be with y'all. Oh my gosh, I need a haircut so much. I'm seeing myself in this video. <laughs> it's so it's outrageous. Um, so, okay, let's not be distracted. Um, y'all, it's so good to be with you. I'm very excited. So we are in, this is the, the sixth and the final uh, part of our series titled Epiphany a radical invitation. And uh, next week, we'll be in a new series and in a new season, the Christian calendar. It's the season of Lent, um, which is a time basically of heart and soul preparation for Good Friday. Uh, that, of course, is the day where we, where we remember the crucifixion of Jesus and then eventually leads into Easter. Um, so that's kind of kicking off next week. Um, but tonight, we are still in the season of Epiphany. And so the title of my message uh, is how to stay warm. Okay, that's a lie. It is not. It's called called the Transfiguration. <laughs> that's. it. I guess probably Scott was putting it up, so he already he already knew that. Um, it is as Karen has mentioned, others have mentioned. Oh my gosh, y'all! It's so cold in Texas. It's ridiculous. What? This is why we all moved here to like avoid this. And tomorrow, I think it's a low of one. Just so wrong. So okay. So not how to stay warm. Called to Transfiguration. Uh, And so we have two texts uh, from scripture tonight. The first is from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. uh, And the second is 1 John 3, 1 through 2. uh, 2. And um, our very own Cody Jacobs is going to do those scripture readings. So Sarah will also, um, uh, she'll post those in the comments, uh, just just to make sure you can uh, track and follow along. So
1: Cody, take it away. Good evening, Table family. My name is Cody, and I'll be reading you two scriptures on tonight. The first one is Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8, and it reads, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was, transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. chapter 3, verse 20, and it reads, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Cody. So uh, I want to begin by going back to um, Mark chapter 9. So, um, this is this is that's the story of the transfiguration of Jesus, and it's it's a moment where the divinity of Jesus, a divinity normally concealed, uh, is suddenly uh, very evident. It it just radiates forth. So, in a different telling of this exact same story in the Gospel of Matthew, um, he adds the additional detail that Jesus' face it actually shone like the sun. So kind of what we're getting is this picture of Christ as as completely flooded with the spirit of god uh, so much so that his face and his clothes uh, clothes are just bursting with light now what i want to point out here is that this is not a light from outside of Jesus, shining down upon him. It is not an external glory, an external um, beauty shining on him like a spotlight or something. Um, That would not be a transfiguration. Transfiguration is when the glory within uh, a person is suddenly revealed. So transfiguration, it's an unveiling I'm going to give you this definition. Transfiguration is where the glory of God hidden inside suddenly manifests outside. So it's a move from the internal to the external. Uh, So what Mark 9 is describing is an absolutely extraordinary transfiguration experience. Uh, Because here's the truth. The truth is that Jesus was always radiant. Jesus was always a profoundly uh, spiritual being, the, the son of God. Uh, like, yes, he was flesh, but he was also divine, right? So, So he was always bursting with the glory and the beauty of God. That was always already his identity. But suddenly the disciples, by the grace of God, had a moment where the scales fell from their eyes, so to speak. And suddenly they saw Jesus as the father sees Jesus. In other words, they were privileged to see the deep truth of who Jesus always was. Uh, now, where I think we can go a bit wrong is that we hear a story like this and what we think to ourselves is something uh, along the lines of uh, of this. Like, well, well, of course this transfiguration happened to Jesus because... Well, he's the son of God. He is, you know, as the scriptures say, the perfect image and representation of God. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, Brett, I'm not too shocked that a moment like that could occur for Jesus. I'm not too shocked that Jesus could be transfigured. But when we hear that story, what we don't think to ourselves is, uh, that is my future. That is my calling. That that is the deeper reality within myself and all created things. Not to be clear that we are like literally the son of God, or um, that we are literally God. But I mean, all the language in the New Testament is that God is within us. That that we ourselves um, are, you might say, shining with divinity. Um, that that we are dripping with God's spirit. And that that my calling and your calling is to step into that more and more and more every day. That I am called to be radiant with the love of God where when people interact with me, they walk away and say to themselves, I I haven't felt that close to God in a long time. That's our future. That's our calling. Uh, But we we don't tend to think like that, do we? But if you reflect on it, I think we actually um, have glimpses, just little inklings of transfiguration. In other words, um, little moments where the glory of someone or something of of creation, it kind of bursts forth. It like radiates out. And I think we actually have this on a somewhat consistent um, basis, these kinds of experiences. Like, have you ever been, looking at someone, normally it's someone you know well, perhaps your child or a spouse or a friend, and you're you're looking at them. And suddenly you realize that for months and maybe years, you have not really been seeing them. Like you haven't been seeing uh, the glory within them. I mean, like perhaps when you first met them, there was something about them that was beyond description. But with the passing of time, that way of seeing them, it it started to fade. But suddenly you're sitting across like the room and perhaps the light from the window is falling across their face just so, or maybe they don't even realize anyone's looking at them and so they're, they're just perfectly natural, perfectly themselves. And suddenly it's like your eyes open wide because they look both beautiful and strange to you you're like wait what when when did they change it's as though there is a glory in them that has been hidden from your gaze but suddenly you see them or perhaps you've had uh, this experience in nature I mean, it can be very much the same thing. The the dew on a blade of grass, the deep purple of a flower, the quiet of a forest, or as we've experienced the, the last 24 hours, the piece of snow falling. And and you maybe you've walked by that grass or that flower or in that forest, or you've seen snow like a thousand times, but suddenly you see it. Like you really see it and it is shining. Not not necessarily literally, like, oh my gosh, it's so bright, but but in the sense of like somehow its being, its essence, its god connectedness just jumps out at you. Have you ever had this experience? Man, I wish I was in person so I could see your faces. Cause I'm I'm pretty convinced people have these kinds of you know spiritual encounters where it's like things you see suddenly um, more deeply into someone or something. It's this moment of transfiguration where where the thing is shining forth. God is um, almost like smiling at you through the, the person, place, or thing. Um, and by the way, artists have a gift for having these types of experiences and then translating them into great art, great poetry, painting, music, you know, et cetera. It's, it's the transcendent. It's the moment where heaven uh, touches earth, the moment where we get a glimpse, just a glimpse of transfiguration. Now, just to be clear, I'm, I'm not trying to give an overly rosy view, like specifically of humanity, Uh, Because if we're to trust the Bible, here's the crazy truth about human beings. We have the capacity within us to radiate heaven or hell. To become the most depraved kind of person dripping with the downright demonic or beautiful souls radiating the light and love of God everywhere we go. But again, back to my original point, we, we don't tend to think we have that kind of calling or capacity um, that's just for Jesus, uh, which is is why I want to uh, come to this verse. This is um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. What we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, you do not yet know, you do not grasp who you really are. Uh, like, who you really are. You you think you know, but but like you don't get it. And furthermore, you do not yet know, you do not grasp who other people are. You see, for, for Orthodox Christianity, I'm thinking here primarily of of the Eastern Orthodox wing of the church. Uh, I'll talk in a bit about kind of the West and versus East. Um, but particularly in the, the Eastern Orthodox wing of the church, um, it, the, the idea of the transfiguration of Jesus is not simply a story about how amazing or remarkable Jesus is, though, I mean, it is that. It is also a scene, it's understood as a foreshadowing, a a hint, a picture of what is going to happen to us. In fact, you might say, uh, that this is what it means to be saved. it's It's kind of funny how we throw around that phrase so easily. I mean, if you're in at least in Texas, Texas, we throw that around a lot here in the the South. you hear you know a lot of a lot of phrases like, you know, you need to be saved, brother. Have you been saved, sister? And uh, I think I think of that movie that came out like I don't know 15, 20 years ago. did y'all see this one saved? <laughs> oh man. Oh. Kind of painful to watch um, because it's too accurate about our kind of religious hokiness at times, and it's it's kind of pointing out this this kind of hokey simplistic version of saved, uh, and and I, I say hokey simplistic at, at one level, um, I mean it kind of is, but it's it's kind of getting at something though that is in um, in, I think I'll argue in, in a moment it's really kind of part of the more Western um, kind of Christianity, uh, so usually, you know, when we throw that term around, uh, saved, what, what, what is meant are, are normally three things. So this is kind of a simplified kind of slightly reductionistic version. Um, that's, but that's very popular in the Christian West. Uh, and we're about to get quite theological for just, don't worry, this won't be too long. I don't want to lose anyone. Um, but you know, three to four minutes kind of hang with me. Um, I am going somewhere with this. Okay, so salvation in the Christian West. What does it mean to be saved in the Christian West? Uh and and just to be clear, you know, by West I mean Roman Catholicism and Protestantism, which is basically most of, you know, American Christianity. So, salvation in the Christian West, it means a few things. A forgiveness, right? So when when you say you need to be saved, what 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 you mean is um you through the cross you need to um Repent and then receive the forgiveness of Christ, right? So you need to be saved, it implies kind of A, forgiveness. Um, B, changed status, status. So as a forgiven person, I switch categories. I go from the category of lost to the category of saved. Can you hear the kind of the changed status there? Lost to saved, in other words, from kind of hell bound to heaven bound right? Kind of from enemy of God to friend or son or daughter of God. So it's about this, this changed status. So it starts with forgiveness. Then I receive this changed status. Uh, And then we kind of go into point C would be something like maybe moral betterment. Like now I am saved. So um, I will, you know, I'll try to live better because, you know, I'm so, I'm so thankful to, to Christ. Um, And, and of course, something here is kind of missing. And, and I, I, we might think of it like this. So again, in the Christian West, um, the focus is on really that point B, that change status. That's kind of the linchpin. That's like where, you know, everything's happening. Because to be saved meant, you know, yes, you were forgiven and that when you died, you knew where you were going. And then in the meantime, uh, you were kind of going to stay away from the dancing and the drugging and the drinking. And you're going to comb your hair and go to church on Sundays. Right, because you you were once lost. Now you have been found. You were an enemy. Now you're a friend. So, like, this is kind of what it means. So that's kind of popularly, you know, what it has meant to be saved. Um, now, theologians in, in the West they would say, well, it's about more than this. It's like a deeper sanctification of things. But uh, you know, often though, this is kind of how it got boiled down. Like, you know, the most important person or question you could ask a person was, you know, if you die tonight. Do you know that you know that you know you would go to heaven, right? That's the emphasis. That's the change status. That's, that's where it kind of um, all boiled down to. All right. So the, it, wh- wh- where I um, – basically, I think the Christian East is much more helpful here. Um, Eastern Orthodoxy is, is, I think, quite helpful. So in the Christian East – um, this is salvation. So A, forgiveness, that's still a big part of it, right, through cross and resurrection. Um, I am forgiven and reconciled to the Father. Yep, that's for sure true. Um, but then B, and this is where it's a little bit different, um, changed substance. Substance. So the emphasis isn't so much on status. Instead, when I say substance, I'm talking about the us, like who we are, our essence. So the idea really is that the spirit of God transforms and recreates our physical, spiritual, um, substance or, or essence, the, the core of who we are. It's, it's a deep, profound transformation of the body, soul, mind, like the whole person. And this, by the way, is where spiritual disciplines come in. Right. And, and, and so we engage not because we want to like change ourselves by like trying real hard rather spiritual disciplines. Like I'm thinking, you know, prayer, scripture reading, fasting, silence, journaling, you know, all the things. Um, these are ways that we become more open and aware of this work of the spirit that God is always already trying to do in us. But it's a deep, deep change. It's not just about status. It's like, well, yeah, now I'm saved. Like it's, it's this substantive change and it's very participatory in in the sense of, I mean, it's grace in the sense that it takes God's initiation. It's God kind of, um, uh, being the energy behind it, but we have to say yes, right? He doesn't like force it on us, uh, with to join in with it. Okay. So I realize that perhaps I've lost some of you. So let me kind of sum this up by, by putting it this way. So in, in, um i think what i'm naming with this substance thing is that i am called to more than forgiveness you and i we are called to more than getting my life right <laughs> i'm called to more even than taking up my cross in the sense of a life of sacrificial love and service i'm not saying you're called less than that or you know forget that cross stuff that's not what i'm saying i'm saying more that's a step in the path so i'm called to more than forgiveness more than getting my life right even more than taking up my cross i am ultimately called to transfiguration the place where every cell of my body radiates the divine life can i get a name right and and make no mistake about it um that's a high calling <laughs> and and honestly this is where bumper sticker theology oh oof oh, oh. Well, it tends to fall you know pretty painfully short here's uh this is a classic one i think um this has been around for a while maybe you've seen this one um christians aren't perfect just forgiven have you seen that bumper sticker christians aren't perfect just forgiven all right so the problem in that sentence um is the word uh, just because of course, I mean, it's true. Christians are perfect. Um, but, but it's, it's almost as though that is the end point, right? I'm just, I'm just forgiven. In other words, just change status, just to change status. That's all. i have just, I'm just, the I'm just went into the category of forgiven. There's nothing else different about me. <laughs> Can you hear the weirdness going on there? Like we're just the forgiven people, There is no difference between us and, you know, anyone else. There's no changed substance, no spiritual transformation. I am merely forgiven. So the bumper sticker seems to imply, don't get your hopes up, that I'll be driving differently than anyone else. (laughs) I'll be just as rude, angry, (laughs) embittered. Um... I mean, it seems to me that's sort of the the pitiful essence of that bumper sticker. Uh, So the problem there is, uh, I mean, basically it would be the problem is the Bible. Um, The the Apostle Paul and other New Testament writers, they would want to say much more than, uh, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. (laughs) So here's Paul. This is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Uh, And we all, he writes to the church, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Anytime you hear the word glory in the the Bible, by the way, think of the word beauty. Beauty. We, We contemplate the Lord's glorious beauty. And he says, we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. Which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, the glory of Christ, it is slowly working its way th- through the, um, by grace and through the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's His glory is becoming my glory, your glory. Or again, in the same letter, of 2nd Corinthians, but chapter 5, verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, or implied there is she, is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Can you hear the changed substance there? Not just status. Here's uh, Ephesians three, seventeen through 19 says that you, church, you being rooted and grounded in love, may you have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you, here it is, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, so I'll be honest. This probably means uh, many of us have been praying poorly. I don't know about you, but I often find myself praying, you know, things like this. Lord, um, you know, help me to have a good day and uh, help my kids to be good and stuff. Uh, which is, I mean, that's okay. Oh, uh, you know, it's not, that's not a bad prayer. But when was the last time you or I prayed, Today, Lord, may I be filled with the fullness of your divine life. May the transfiguration that happened in Jesus, may it begin to happen in me. (laughs) Like, whoa. Okay, or finally, here's a a passage. This is 2 Peter, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. There's that word again. And Goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Participate in the divine nature. What, what is that talking about? I mean, it's transfiguration. It's, it's new creation. It's, it's what is known in Christian theology as, as theosis. You are called to participate, to become immersed in the divine life. Uh, in fact, the early church fathers, they just came out and called it divinization, like basically becoming um, God-ized, divinized. Um, now, to be clear, they didn't mean it in the sense that you or I were like, yes, we will become God. Right. Okay, obviously not. Um, but it's its in the sense that our life, your life, my life, so thoroughly um fuses with God's life through the Holy Spirit that it's hard to tell where you end and God begins. Now, you might say, okay, so do you mean like in heaven? <laughs> like when when I die, then I will be transfigured, then I will experience this union oneness with God and Christ, but in the meantime, I'm not perfect, just forgiven? um you you know yes and no i mean yes in the sense of um first john three right you do not yet know what you will be in this life we we see through a glass darkly paul says in this life we are veiled our glory and really all of creation's glory is like christ when he was on earth it's it's sort of hidden you might even use language like fallen um right so um so So yes, in that sense, but no in the sense that like, well, all this stuff Brett's been talking about, that's for heaven. Uh, No, no, that's where you'd misunderstand. Instead, the idea is that this process of union with God, while it will not find its end point until the next life, it begins in this one. It begins today. Now, uh, I have no idea how all of this is hitting you, Um, but perhaps you're thinking like, oh my gosh, um, this is just a lot. I don't, I don't even know like where to begin. Like Brett, what, what do I do? How how do I inch towards transfiguration, towards this ongoing experience of the presence of God? That seems like a very tall task. Uh, And, and I I do want to respond to that because I don't want this to just be like highfalutin theology Um, where we say very lofty things about Jesus. And then we say, and we're called to, you know, the grace of God and the spirit, similar things. Um, I don't want to just stay there, kind of, you know, 10,000 feet in the air, because I actually believe it is the most practical thing in the world. That transfiguration, it is literally about how you relate to um, the people in your household, which you're gonna get a lot of time with over the next um, few days. (laughs) if you're in Texas. Um, And honestly, it's about how you engage your work, um, how you speak with people um, and interact with them. I mean, everything. So so in closing, let me give you kind of a framework for this transfiguration process. I love how the Christian writer, uh, Cynthia Borgol, she put it like this. She said, the recipe for spiritual transformation is basically the same all over. Surrender, Attention, compassion. That's a beautiful summary. Surrender, attention, compassion. Uh, let me give you just, just a little bit on each of these. So, surrender, what does that, what does that mean? Um, there must be a sense in which, if we want to start down the road of really um, being connected to God and entering into this transfiguration process, there must be a sense in which we begin to say, um, Not my will. Lord, not my genius, ego driven plans. (laughs) Lord, your will in every moment, your will, God, play through me, move through me, fill me with your spirit, guide me. Um, It's a saying no to my ego and a yes to you. I mean, I think of of Jesus who said, "I, I don't say anything except what I hear the Father saying, I don't do anything. Except what I what I um, hear the Father or see the Father doing, right? That's that's surrender. So we start there. Surrender. Uh, second, attention. Another word here uh, might be awareness. So much of our life is spent on autopilot, isn't it? I mean, like the way some spiritual writers put it, is so they say we aren't awake, so to speak. We we aren't aware. So we've got to start paying attention. You've got to start entering into awareness. start um, start watching yourself, paying attention, tuning into yourself. what what are you thinking right now? what are you what are you um, feeling right every everything you do, be aware. God awareness begins with self-awareness because th- what happens is you become aware that the source of your true self is is God. right? It's you are in God, you are in Christ. Uh, and so, what happens is you'll begin to tune more and more and more into the fact that God is present, always. God is present. There is nowhere you can go uh, that God is not already there, right? So it's attention, it's it's awareness of God's presence. Third, compassion. Uh, this is the idea of great love. Great love. Um which by the way, is always the answer. I heard a a teacher giving a lecture recently and he said, the answer is always great love. No matter what you ask, the answer is always great love. It's sort of like uh, in Sunday school, if you had this experience growing up, um, the answer is always Jesus. If the teacher asks a question in Sunday school and you say, Jesus, you're nearly always correct. And in a similar way, in whatever situation um, you're facing, the answer is almost always great love. Like, I mean, whatever it is, you, you say like, oh, my spouse and I, we are just at the end of our rope. I, I don't even, I don't even know how to relate to him. I don't even know how to relate to her anymore. Great love. Great love. Uh, or you say, my kids, like, oh, my kids are just driving me bananas. How, how do I parent wild banshees? Great love. Great love. You say, my boss is the worst. How, how do I interact with him or her? Like, I don't know what to do. Great love. It feels like my life just—it just has no meaning. Like when I wake up in the morning, what? Uh, what should I do with myself? Great love. Great love. Surrender. Attention. Compassion. This is what it means to be saved. It's more than forgiveness. It's more than get your life right. It's more than take up your cross. It is a call to transfiguration where every cell of your body radiates the divine life. That's our calling. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we want to know you. We want to enter into your presence. God, we want every cell of our body to radiate your life. So God, would you do that deep, deep work in us? We say yes to it. And God, we want to do our part. We want to join in. God, so help us to be faithful, to surrender, faithful to attention, faithful to compassion, And may you overtake us. May your spirit fill us. Do your good work. We love you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.